you know, guys, if you were, if you've got a flu epidemic among the pastoral staff and you're down to number 19 on the depth chart for preaching, uh, I do have this thing that the uh, the Holy Spirit's been really bugging me in my in my devotions. I'm just going to get some notes ready here. Uh, yeah, I'm. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a family doctor. I've been here almost 30 years, and um, I believe that men, emotional illness can make physical illness worse and vice versa. So I've got a special interest in emotional illness, and I've been seeing more and more and more anxiety. It used to be when I started here in 1983, there was a lot of depression, and um, uh, maybe I saw one person with anxiety. Uh, maybe once a month. Uh, now it's once a week, sometimes once a day. And uh, the people that we're seeing are, are sicker. They're more anxious. They're more incapacitated. And this uh, just led to some, some thinking and saying, man, there's, there's things we can do about this, uh, both from a spiritual level and a practical level. So just want to pray for a minute and uh, just ask God to bless us as we speak this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for the strength you've given us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the promises in your precious and holy word, Lord. And I just pray that uh, what I say this morning will be pleasing to you and, and helpful to your people. Just be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So uh, I'm, I have no formal theological training. And uh, I do have some uh, genetic predisposition to preaching. My great-grandfather was a well-known Lutheran pastor in Austria, and a very beautiful thing happened in my life uh, a number of years ago when I was given his Bible. And I started to read this and uh, found out a few things about him. I knew his life was not easy. He started, built, and pastored a uh, Lutheran church in very Catholic Austria during the poverty of the 30s, during World War II, and during the chaos uh, after the Nazi occupation of Austria. Uh, he lost three sons in World War II, and he had to attend at least one execution. Um, he didn't only have to worry about his own life and his own family, but also had to lead and encourage uh, others uh, through these really, really difficult times. And reading this Bible, I felt, well, he had to have a strong faith, and he had to have a very real and a real, a very real and, and, and strong concept of God. And... Uh, uh, this came out a lot, and the things he in, underlined in his Bible most uh, were Psalms, and we'll talk about that in a minute. The other thing that uh, I learned about him is that his wife would say, um, if you preach too long, the ladies in the congregation will worry about the chicken in the oven and not about God. So we've got a lot to cover this morning, but we'll try to, to be, be mindful of time. Um, I'm going to give you the take-home messages right away. Uh, that way, if you fall asleep or some of you start playing Angry Birds on your smartphones, uh, you'll have gotten the main parts of the message while you're still fresh. And there's two things. Number one, I'm okay right now. And this is an encouragement to live in the present and to appreciate what you have. And it's an excellent antidote to worry and fear of the future. The second thing is the uh, scriptures, Matthew 6. 27, uh, 25 to 27, and 31 to 34. And that's the main scripture we're going to use this morning. And it's self-explanatory. You really don't need much theological training to, to uh, meditate on the scriptures that we're going to talk about this morning. Now, last time uh, I was uh, honored to preach here, I spoke on Philippians. And uh, we gave out little fridge magnets uh, with uh, 
one of the main verses on them. And I've visited some of your homes, and I've been very, very pleased to see some of these magnets are still on your fridges. So as a little take-home uh, this morning, uh, I've gotten some bracelets, and uh, there's, they're supposed to glow in the dark, although I think they lied to me when, when I ordered them. But on them they have, uh, I'm okay right now, and they have Matthew 6, 25 to 27 on them. So if the ushers would please start to distribute these. If you don't think wrist bracelets are cool, fair enough, just leave them. Uh, I've got 280, so I think there's uh, probably enough for everyone, but uh, suit yourself. You're welcome. Okay, let's read Matthew 6, 25 to 27. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the, bird of the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more important than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And 31 to 34. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And this is my favorite. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Which is a real nice combination of uh, I'm okay right now and trust God. Take home message number two. Uh, and this is just, uh, this was just on my heart. As Christians, we can't escape our genes or the influence of the world around us. Um, so, we should not be surprised that anxiety, depression, and other emotional illness is seen in the church. But, let's not be surprised or, worst of all, judgmental. Instead, let's use this hardship as a challenge and as an opportunity to grow together in faith and in love. Now, one of the things I do do is uh, teach medicine. Uh, I'm uh, an associate professor of family medicine, and I have my professorial patch jacket on this morning. And uh, we're going to do this kind of like a grand rounds. Um, uh, they say that you're supposed to picture your audience naked uh, if you want to re relieve your own stress, but I would never do that. Uh, I am picturing you as uh, interns in short white coats uh, in the lecture theater at University Hospital, and I'm the professor giving the talk on this. So... And you're all looking really good with your stethoscopes around your neck, especially Stanowski. Um, so we're going to try to answer three questions. One, what is anxiety? Two, why is it more, so, so much more common and severe in people's lives? And three, what are we going to do about it? And you pretty much know what anxiety is. Anxiety is an emotion, and it comes without a good cause. Uh, it's a lot like fear, except fear does have a good cause, someone with a stick chasing you or uh, something of that nature. Uh, anxiety is just as a response of what we think might happen in the future. So fear is uh, the guy chasing us with a stick. Anxiety is we think someone might chase us with a stick tomorrow. Uh, the emotion is much the same. Most of us are going to feel anxious in specific situations before a job interview or before having to speak in public. Um, a little bit of pre-performance anxiety is really good. 
you practice more, you prepare better, and I think you're a little bit sharper. However, what we're talking about this morning is anxiety disorder, where the anxiety isn't helpful anymore. And there's lots of physical effects, palpitations, nausea, sweating, fast heartbeat, chest pain, and all of these symptoms are often what bring people to the doctor saying, oh, it's got to be my heart, doc. I'm having a heart attack for sure because my, my heart's fluttering. There's a feeling of not being able to get enough air, headache, uh, an urge to urinate. You notice all the bathrooms are full before final exams in the school. Uh, people that are, have anxiety are frequently very tired because they're being worn out by, by being so anxious. And along with that comes poor sleep. And you get a really bad, vicious cycle. Anxious, tired, poor sleep, more tired, more anxious. Uh, there's a little subgroup called panic attacks where the anxiety gets so severe that you have to stop because you think if, what you're doing because if you don't, you think you're going to die. Um, and uh, in between panic attacks, people worry about the next panic attack, which isn't really helpful, but it, it happens. There's emotional effects, fear of the future, concentration problems, irritability, restlessness. Uh, the mind goes blank. There's often nightmares, trapped feeling, worry about dying, everything's scary. And the funny thing is people that usually know when they have anxiety that what they worry about is unrealistic, but they just can't shut the mind off. It's, doc, doc, I can't shut my mind off. There's some subtypes of anxiety, which are phobias, where you're afraid of a specific thing, water heights, snakes, spiders, dogs, crowds, public places. And there's panic disorder, which we've talked about, where people have panic attacks. And there's post-traumatic stress disorder, where a horrible thing happened in your life, a physical or psychological trauma, and, and now you're chronically anxious. Uh, people really try to avoid in phobia the things that they are afraid of, and they get very distressed if they can't avoid those things altogether. Now, I won't say that I have snake phobia, but I really, really, really don't like snakes. And uh, my wife, Pat really, really doesn't like heights. So it was an interesting trip to the Grand Canyon because we're looking down 2,000-foot cliffs in a desert surrounded by snakes. And we were really, really glad to get back to Moose Jaw because, you know, there's no snakes and it's really flat. So it's all good. So what causes anxiety? Question two. Again, a little bit of anxiety is a normal response, but we're talking about abnormal anxiety. So it's usually a variety and a combination of things that causes it. And the first is genetics. Um, we Anxious parents tend to create anxious kids. Now, a lot of that is child-rearing too, but there's really good studies talking about genetic factors in anxiety and depression. Uh, I'll spare you the big word. I'll spare you the big words, uh, lack of serotonin in the prefrontal cortex, less dopamine receptors in the midbrain, blah, blah. Um, but there's definitely a genetic factor. Physical factors, sickness, sleep, sleep problems, medications, alcohol. Thirdly, childhood upbringing. Some of us grew up with anger in the family, fear of punishment, and negative attitudes, or even emotional or physical abuse. And that leaves that child, when they become an adult, thinking that the world's a scary place full of scary people and this chronic anxiety. And you add to this, number four, bad theology. If our perception of God is that of a stern, judgmental God who's kind of out to get us and impossible to please, you're going to become driven, anxious, and guilt-ridden. Five, scary environment, stressful events. Uh, again, post-traumatic stress syndrome. 
unpleasant people in your life. And six, lousy thinking. And a lot of this starts in childhood again. You think that you're unlovable and uh, stupid, and, and you, you reinforce that by setting yourself into situations where you know you're going to fail. And when you fail, it just reinforces the thought that, that you're unlovable and, and uh, unworthy and, and a, not a good person. Uh, the most dangerous thing in this is playing the what-if game. And uh, that's a, in that an anxious person starts to think of their future and all the bad things that could happen, probably won't, but could, and uh, then they just get themselves worse and worse uh, and, and, and play this out in their mind. For example, a lady going to work, and she's thinking, boy, what if I'm not going to be able to leave the house on time, then I'm probably going to be late for work because I'll get into a car accident, then my boss, who doesn't like me anyways, is going to probably fire me, there's going to be a big fuss at work, and my coworkers are all going to laugh at me, no one's going to like me, I'm not going to have a job, and I'm going to have to explain this to my children. They're going to be upset and love me less. My husband's going to think of leaving me because I now don't have a job, and the worry's all going to make me sick, and I might die. And all of this over a hair straightener that doesn't work. <laughs> and you might think I'm exaggerating, but I've actually interviewed people in the office, and that's the kind of thinking they engage in. Complete exaggeration. What if, what if, what if? Then these things are going to happen. The what-if game is poison to the soul. And with seven goes along unresolved choices. And are we getting the triangle uh, slide here? Um, basically, if you can think of your mind um, like an iceberg, and what you're actually aware of is about the top 10%, underneath what we call uh, your subconscious is a whole bunch of stuff that's going on and, and churning around you. And when you're procrastinating on things you have to do, when you're guilty about things that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing, uh, and when there's a lot of unresolved choices, all that stuff sort of turns around in your subconscious and it's like a toxic brew and the bubbles of gas that come up into your consciousness are, are anxious thoughts. And we'll again talk in a minute on how to deal with some of this stuff. So, question two is why is there so much more anxiety uh, today? And uh, again, I see more and I see people being sicker. And I think uh, there's, an, again, a number of, of factors for this. Number one, general loss of faith. I do take a short spiritual history when people talk to me about emotional problems. And the number of people with no spiritual roots really surprises me. Virtually all of my generation, and I think the generation ahead of me, certainly my parents' generation, had a basic understanding and knowledge of the Christian faith. And, you know, you grow up in Lanigan, Saskatchewan, there's uh, two channels to watch on Sunday morning, and one's French, and uh, everything's closed, but you might as well go to Sunday school, because all your friends are there. And a lot of this didn't translate into Victoria's personal Christian faith, but it did translate into some basic knowledge where the anchor was that you had to turn to when life got very rocky. Well, not so much anymore. People have lots of choices. They have... Uh, a lot of them don't have a spiritual faith framework, and uh, people feel adrift and anxious. Secondly, too many choices. We talked already about how choices can kind of turn around in your subconscious, and what comes up is anxiety. I really, really like the Dilk Co-op when I'm at, uh, at Kettleston. Uh, I think the Dilk Co-op is really neat. You can find everything you need, but there's only one brand, and it's Co-op brand. So, 
It's great. You go, you pick up your stuff, you're done. Well, that takes five minutes and, and you have a chat with the, the clerk. It's a wonderful thing. Well, you go to Superstore, those same 20 things, uh, there's 50 choices per thing, right? So now you've got to make 20 times 50. You've got to, you know, you've got to make a lot of choices. And um, it takes longer and it causes more stress. And now just think of all the choices we have in the world around us these days. And I just think all that causes a lot more anxiety, a lot more stress. We know that choices cause anxiety. Just think of a lady trying to figure out what to wear for church. Three, lack of connectedness to nature. I think that's self-explanatory. I, I do believe we're meant to be in nature, that we're meant to, to receive some calmness from nature. And we're all hooked to our screens. And the closest we come to nature is a pretty picture. Um, fourth, assembly line work. These days, it seems all is assembly line. We go to McDonald's, we go to Tim Hortons, we go to Canadian Tire or to Walmart, and rather than just having in little interactions with clerks all day long, it's assembly line. Even in healthcare, we tend to be more specialized, we tend to be in one place more, and we're busier. And even in the emergency, uh, it used to be you, you saw less people, you had little breaks, now it's just one after the other, after the other, after the other. And uh, it's all very efficient and it's all very profitable for the corporations who run it that way. But uh, you lose the small little natural breaks uh, in the day and I believe it causes more stress and anxiety. Five is media. And I think that's one of the most important ones. We live in this media generation and we're surrounded by media and they all want our attention and they know that the best way of getting our attention is to scare us. It, it really works. Um, I watched a football game not so long ago, a uh, two and a half hour game, and uh, CTV was advertising this horrible thing, Bates Motel, on it. Um, and uh, every, 15, every break in the action there seemed to be a a hand sticking out of the sand or, or some horrible, horrible, scary thing. And I think I saw 12 to 14 ads for that lousy show alone. Incidentally, a very quick side trip. I have no idea why people like horror movies. Uh, to me, being scared is, is a negative emotion, but I guess people do. Anyways, somebody, somebody might want to enlighten me. I, I just don't get it. Anyway, you're surrounded by all this, by all this, this scare, scariness. Uh, on TV, all the negativeness, you know, if you, if you have CNN on, you know, throughout the day as you're at home on a Saturday maybe, you know, constantly the news is never good. So uh, I think that just adds and just throws more and more stuff into your subconscious uh, that then comes up as anxiety. And, and six, finally, materialism. Uh, I think that we have all this pressure to buy uh, by the society around us, and we often buy on borrowed money. And then we can worry about the debt we've accumulated, and we can worry about the stuff that we've bought, make sure it's okay, and the more stuff you've got, the more worries you've got, I think. Uh, before we talk, so I think those are the main reasons why we might see more anxiety in the population, uh, including the Christian population, in 2013 than we maybe saw in 1973. Uh, before we talk about what to do, I'm gonna take a quick side trip into helping one another. Remember that anxiety is the most common mental illness uh, in, in Canada. One in five people are going to suffer from it enough to require professional help. So you very well may have a friend or a family member or someone that you might want be, be asked to help with. And there are some, some guidelines uh, that I'm going to talk about how to do that. 
Number one, acknowledge anxiety and depression, trouble, bothers and poverty, bothers, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ as much as anyone else because we are also affected by genes, upbringing, and the world around us. Secondly, prayer is huge. Pray for the anxious person and that God would use you to help. Three, they tend to rehearse their problems over and over. So listen quietly, maybe many times over. Four is be helpful, encourage, don't judge or be condescending. Five is be a friend. Maintain regular contact and you don't have to do this by yourself. Steer the anxious person to resources such as scripture, books, counselors and groups. And then six, gently, and I emphasize gently and diplomatically, hold the anxious person accountable to follow through and changes. And this might work, you're having coffee and we say, hey, here's a great book that, that's, that's helped me, it might help you. And the next time you see them say, hey, have you started reading that book? And just, just gently guide them along some of the commitments that they've made. Okay, five things to do, uh, how do we deal with this? And there's five areas, and they start with the word check. And for the interns that have to take the exam, the last two checks in the talk are the most important. So, number one, check your health. Uh, you knew this was coming from a doctor, right? Uh, we know that we're more vulnerable to anxiety when we're tired, poorly nourished, or, or sick. And there's lots of medical conditions. Uh, I was actually reviewing this in a, in a medical textbook again, and there's a, there's a list of about 25. Thyroid problems, anemia, diabetes, heart disease, lung disease, adrenal problems, uh, list just kind of goes on. Talk to your doctor about ruling out some physical causes, and it's, it's usually pretty simple. Secondly, look at your sleep. And I could give a whole talk on sleep alone. Sleep issues are major, major problems in today's society. Uh, work on getting enough sleep, quiet sleep environment, cool room, minimizing distractions, going to bed early is, is really helpful. Now, I believe what goes into your brain percolates, percolates around in your brain. And especially the last two hours before going to sleep, uh, I personally had an experience where I was watching a very innocent, very fun Discovery Channel show on how they make golf balls. And I did, did, did this about 10 o'clock and I went to bed about 10.30. Well, it was the worst night of my life. All night long, bingo, little white golf balls bouncing up and down my brain. And another time I was trying to, to learn a guitar part for a beautiful, uplifting song. Nothing wrong with it. I listened to it about 10 times over again. Horrible night, it was just in my brain. I did know the guitar part after I was done, but uh, um, so I realized, now what happens if you put Bates Motel into your, into your brain before you go to bed? Are you gonna sleep real well? I think not. Uh, so I tell people, and it's, it's a bit of an exaggeration, but uh, only read the Bible and watch the Weather Channel for the hour to two hours before going to bed. Now I realize that in Saskatchewan, the Bible, and the Weather Channel can become quite exciting and stress-inducing, especially if you farm, but you get, you get the drift. I mean, don't, don't watch horror movies before going to bed. Okay, exercise. It's good for you physically, it's good for you mentally. There was a wonderful study done where people with depression were made to do 45 minutes of cardio once a day, and the control group was yoga, and uh, they did 45 minutes of yoga. The cardio patients, uh, their depression scores, which was, was good, 
dropped by half after uh, a month of this. And, and I've, I've not noticed that exercise really is good for, for anxiety, for stress relief. What we put into our bodies is important. Obviously, high fat, high sugar, high salt, high caffeine diet isn't so good for you. Uh, supplements are sometimes very helpful. Uh, B-complex vitamins, vitamin D in the winter. Um, mel I like melatonin to help, to help sleep. For my friends at uh, prime time, melatonin has a mild anti-aging effect, so that, that's good too. Uh, I mean, you're all looking good. You're all looking really young, but I'm just saying. Um, certainly, if you have anxiety along with depression, or the anxiety is very hard to control, or you're not sleeping at all, talk to your doctor about medications. It doesn't have to be addictive stuff. It doesn't have to be Valium. We've got a number of good non-addictive medications that aren't going to mess you up in, in other ways uh, that really help calm things down a lot. And for some patients, they're just so anxious, they're just not functioning. And to make some of the life changes that they have to make, you've got to get the serotonin level in the brain up first. So they're just too anxious physically to cope, and that's where medications are useful. Number two, check your medicine cupboard. Uh, there's three kinds of medications to check for. Talk to your doctor or, or your pharmacist about it. But one, prescription medications that have nervousness and depression as a side effect. Two, sedative medications and alcohol, which make you anxious when they wear off. And three, stimulant medications and caffeine, which make you nervous and anxious while they're working. And I started thinking about this after I had two new patients not that long ago with severe, severe anxiety that had never had anxiety before. And it took a while to figure it out, but most, both, of them, both of them had drug problems. And once the drug problems were solved, the anxiety just got a lot better. So go through prescriptions that you're taking. Alcohol, again, alcohol doesn't cause anxiety, but it sure causes anxiety when it wears off. Um, sedative med medications and alcohol make you anxious uh, when they wear off, but there's stimulant medications, including some of the caffeine pills and some of the herbal diet pills that you, that you get that will really, really stimulate you and, and can make you more anxious. Again, caffeine. I, I would hate to deny anyone, including myself, the benefits of a cup of coffee. However, these days, I mean, people are drinking four, five, six Red Bulls to get through the day. Uh, the companies are competing with one another to see who can put the most caffeine into their energy drinks. And yeah, can pe make, can people, makes people really jittery and anxious. And I've, again, had a number of patients that just by cutting their caffeine intake down to maybe one or two in the morning have, have gotten much, much less anxious and have almost solved their problems completely. Number three, check your environment. We've talked a little bit about how all the media, how everything around us uh, can, can, can be a problem. And again, there's a number of factors. One, uh, reduce the noise in your life. Remember, TV, radio, Facebook, media are all existing and ca to catch your attention and to scare you. I do tell people with anxiety to turn off their radio, to turn off CNN, uh, to even, when you're driving in the car and you've got the radio off, Sharon won't like this because we're supposed to listen to them. Uh, but uh, but take, some t take some times where you just kind of listen to what's in your heart and you've got the radio off. Um, if you're going to listen, listen to 103. Uh, don't listen to... <laughs> Uh, do, do not try, try to, take, to, to have talk radio minimally. 
Um, talk radio, I mean, I used to listen to Gormley all the time. I suspect some of you might hear as well. And if you can listen to Bugs Day, The Hour of Rage, for an hour without feeling upset and mad, then you're a better person than I am. <laughs> it was really good when I lived in the States. I had Limbaugh for three hours in the morning, Gordon Liddy for the afternoon, and Dr. Laura in, uh, uh, for the evening. And my goodness, the person was a bundle of nerves at the end of that. So limit your media exposure, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, Facebook, I think, is a mixed blessing. I think it's uh, a great connector with people that you, you've lost connections with. And I think there's a lot of um, good stuff on it, a lot of inspirational stuff. Thank you for the cat pictures with the funny captions, uh, Shiloh Ojima. <laughs> but there's also a terrific amount of upsetting and time-wasting things on it. And I think Facebook should be like a good Chinese buffet where you take the good stuff, but you're careful how much of the other stuff that you take. Okay, number two, avoid procrastination. Again, it's that subconscious thing where when you're procrastinating things, uh, it gets into the subconscious, makes you more anxious. I find, I do something called eat, eat the frog, where if I have to do something unpleasant, I get it over with first thing in the morning, and then the rest of my day goes a lot better. Eating the frog comes from something Mark Twain said, if you eat a live frog first thing in the morning, nothing worse will happen to you the rest of the day. <laughs> so... I tried, I tried to eat the frog first thing in the morning. That usually includes hospital discharge summaries. Um, on a spiritual view, repentance. You know, if you've got things you're guilty about, you know, deal with the problem and give it to God. And again, you'll have a lot less stuff circulating around your subconscious. Number three, look how you manage your time. Um, I know we talk about apostolic time and uh, we're, late, we're 10 to 20 minutes late for everything, but... I certainly find when I come to the office 10 minutes early rather than 15 minutes late, my, my day goes just a lot better. Now, managing your time and trying to show up early for things uh, involves maybe getting up a little earlier, and that means you have to maybe go to bed a little earlier. So you have to kind of plan it a little bit. But all I know is that running habitually late makes you more anxious, causes you more stress. Number four, look and pray about your involvement and uh, commitment. Uh, I know that when you agree to do something and then you haven't got the ability to carry through on it, it causes tremendous guilt, tremendous fear, tremendous stress, and I'm the king of the overcommitters, so I, I kind of know what that's all about. So look at what you're doing and look at, look at what you're involved in and, and decide if that's the right thing to do. And five, finally look at your finances. And again, talking about finances is far, far past this talk. There's lots of good, good help. But all I know is if you've got a bunch of stuff and uh, you're, you're also in debt, especially because you've bought that stuff, the more stuff you've got, the more stuff you've got to look after. Number four, check your thought life. And before we talk about that, I'm quickly going to talk about counseling. And uh, counseling is a huge, huge help. There's a number of places that can help. Moose Jaw Christian Counseling, as a former client for a short period of time, uh, I can attest they're doing, they do an excellent job. Uh, there's no shame in accessing mental health at the hospital here. Uh, there's lots of other mental health uh, professionals as well. Um, I think our pastors have some counseling training as well as other people in the church. The patients in the practice that have had really good luck 
getting rid of anxiety have tended to do this in the context of a warm, supportive group. They've, they've gone to their group, group, they've invested some time and some energy into their group, they've formed with relationships with that group, and that's what's really helped them overcome the anxiety. Well, we've got groups here. Um, I'm not suggesting you dump everything on your, on your care group, but uh, if you've got a milder problem with that, certainly you've got your groups to, to help you with that. And uh, finally, sharing with caring friends and with family who, who care about you is, get the stuff out is what I'm trying to say, I guess. Uh, get it out of that subconscious, get it talked about. And um, one other quick aside on if you want to talk about helping others and, and think about helping others and the attitude that you should have with that, read the introduction to Job in um, the message. It's probably the finest piece of writing I've ever seen on how to walk through a difficult time with someone else. And I would highly, highly recommend that. I just went, wow, when I, when I uh, initially read it. Okay, checking your thought life, we've got to go on here. Uh, three things, look at your perception of God, avoid the what-if game, and think I'm okay right now. And number three, accept your worry as an invitation to pray, worship, and grow. So lousy theology can make us feel that the world is a scary and un unpleasant and dangerous place, and we have this uh, scary and judgmental God that's going to just kind of strike us down. And there's a couple of phrases from my childhood that I remember, one being, the devil made me do it, and you might remember that, and the other one is, God's going to get you for that. And uh, I'm just going to go to my great-grandfather's Bible for a couple of minutes to just maybe give us a little bit of a different perception of our God. And this is Psalm 27. Um, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. And again, I think you probably used that, right? Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Psalm 23, I could actually sing that to you, but I won't this morning. Uh, and we've all probably got it memorized, some of us may be in different languages. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And finally, Psalm 145. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. And that just gives me a different view of God than that judgmental, nasty God. Number two, stopping the what-if game. And again, we've talked about this a little bit now. Um, what if, what if, what if we're becoming more anxious? The antidote is the phrase, I'm okay right now. And you may have to repeat this to yourself many, many times. I'm okay right now. But it really works to when your brain is anxious and, and, and goes on. Uh, I've actually used some of this uh, when I worry about my patients on vacation and I can't sleep. I've repeated it up to 100 times. Um, and along that is 4.3. Accept your worry as an invitation to pray and worship. 
And we use Philippians 4, 6 for that. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And again, isn't that great? If you do this enough, you're going to get a little re reflex going. When you worry, you automatically pray or maybe sing a, sing a hymn. And pray more, worry less, good things happen, win-win-win. Okay, finally, um, last but not least, definitely, definitely not least, check what the Bible has to say about all this. Again, we're, we've, we've talked about Matthew, uh, Matthew 6. We celebrated communion this morning, and uh, we said we found out what Jesus said before communion, but after communion, when they're putting their feet up, Jesus says this in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Again, Matthew, and we'll just go over this quickly. But finally, there's a command from Scripture from 1 Peter 5, 7. And that says, cast your anxiety, pardon me, cast all your anxiety on him, because he, Jesus, cares for you. Could the worship team come back up, please? So, as we think about this, we're encouraged to, to put, take some of these scriptures and uh, write them out. Put them on your dashboard. Put them in the front of your Bible. Put them on your night table. And uh, I know they've really, really spoken to me, and I've used them in, in the counseling I've done with a number of people with really, really great success. Just want to pray with you for a minute. I just, let's just start today. Getting less anxious, dealing with these problems is a process. It's a journey. But every journey has a start. And let's obey what we were told in, in First Peter there and, and cast some of this on, us, on him. I'm just going to pray, and I'm going to give you a little bit of a time to just give some of the stuff to God. So let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we just thank you again for this time together. We thank you for your love, for your grace, for your precious and powerful word, and for the promises in it, Lord. And Father, in obedience, we, we just stand on your word and we, we claim your peace in our lives. And Lord, we just give the following things to you right now. So Father, we thank you again for your presence and for your love. I just want to sing one one little song about with you and i'm going to it's a little children's song that we do in rocks and um, we're going to sing it long enough that it sticks like a worm in your ear for the week to come it's called turn it over to jesus 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 and you'll smile the rest of the day Turn it over to Jesus, turn it over to Jesus, turn it over to Jesus, and you'll smile the rest of the day. One more time. Turn it over to Jesus. 